You may be seated. Good morning. We're so very glad to have you all here with us this morning. It's wonderful to see you. We thank you for being here. We know we have people who are uh, recovering and just getting back and all that, and, and we have so many visitors, and we're just so very glad to have each and every one of you here. You mean a lot to us. This is a special place, and we're so glad to have you with us. We're also very glad to have those of us who are joining us online. We want you to know that we're always here for you as well. Reach out to us in any way we can serve you. I read a story from youth minister Philip Jenkins. He shared a story that happened sometime after, this isn't his youth group, this is Kinley's, but it's youth, <laughs> but uh, he shared a story about his youth group sometime after he started encouraging his youth to invite friends to church. And in this particular story, Philip had been encouraging youth to invite their friends to a, a retreat that they were going on. It was an upcoming spring retreat. And he told in his story about one of their high, this high school boy named Matt who answered that call and invited his friend Reuben to come with him. But Matt got sick on Friday before they left for the trip. And being the good friend that Matt was, he didn't tell his friend Reuben that he was sick and wasn't going to go on the retreat. His friend Reuben knows no one. He was just going with Matt on the retreat. So Reuben shows up to the church building with all these youth, and Matt's nowhere to be found. That's when he found out Matt ain't coming. But Reuben still went on the youth trip. He didn't know anyone. Didn't know Philip, the youth minister. He knew no one on this trip, but he still went. <clears throat> and as Philip wrote, he said Matt had, uh, 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 Reuben had a wonderful time, had a great time. And, and so uh, Reuben showed up, saw his friend wasn't there, and still went on the retreat, but he was invited by a friend who didn't show up. He still came, and he loved it. And here's the thing. Everybody loved him. He, that's the experience he had as people were interested in me. People loved me. People were kind to me. I had a good experience. And Philip said over the next two years, two and a half years, uh, uh, Reuben would, would come. He would show up. Not every single time, but they saw him. And eventually through making friend after friend after friend, building those relationships over time in the youth group and that exposure to church. Uh, at the time Philip wrote this, it was 2015. And he said, as he wrote it, at the time I wrote this, I just baptized Reuben into Christ, a kid that I almost never met. Isn't that amazing? That's a true story. How, how, what happened? How, how did this fruit get produced? How did this happen? What were the ingredients that came together that were mixed together to make this kind of thing happen? Well, it started with Philip developing, encouraging this atmosphere that we're talking about, this culture among his youth group. And, and then that church was buying into that as well. And, and Matt, the, 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 one of the youth in the youth group, bought into that and said, I can do that. I can invite my buddy to this trip. He'll have a good time. And so slowly but surely, it started happening. Let's think about the word interested. 
think about the word interested. What does that word mean, the word interested? What does that word mean? It means having your attention engaged. It means showing curiosity or concern about something or someone, doesn't it? You're interested in a TV program, a a person, uh, a a toy, a a gadget, a truck, an activity, whatever that might be. It's got your attention. You're curious or you have concern about it or a person. You know, in a church, uh, you can do a lot of things that we might call guest services. You know, in business, they talk a lot about customer or client service and all for good for good cause. And you can do a lot of those kinds of guest service types of things in a church. And I think those things are good. But you know, when people come visit a church, when they're looking for a church home, when they're saying, you know what, I, I, I know God's missing in my life. I, I need something. I need to seek him out. Or maybe they're just relocating and placing membership at another congregation. You know what they need? The guest service stuff is good and nice, and I think it should be there. But but at a certain point, that kind of stops. I mean, you know, that's for welcoming people in and that sort of thing. There's kind of a level there. But people are looking for a friend. People are looking for a place they belong to. And so you can look around this auditorium and know that, Just like you, there's other people in here looking for a friend. And and, and so it's not just youth who, or or young people, college students who might have a hard time sometimes making friends. It's adults too. It's a challenge for everybody. So I want you to know that that's an important thing. That's a need that everyone has. I want to have friends. I want to be at a place where I belong and where, where they're interested in me. And one of the beautiful things about the church is that you can be friends with and, and have close relationships with people that you may not really have a lot in common. And, and yet you do, and, and you can have such a great relationship with one another. And that's one of the beautiful things that God gives us in his church. So uh, we want to leave a good impression and all those kinds of things, but at the same time, we want to make sure people find real relationships uh, in the church, just like Reuben did and his experience. And so it makes a difference when we express genuine interest in people. We've got to be interested in people, and I think we're good at that. And I want to highlight that as a, a value to have, something that we know, that we verbally talk about. That's important, that we show that we're interested in others. And, and not just here when someone visits, but, but elsewhere in our, in our workplace. Uh, we talked about this a lot in our Bible class this morning, in the adult class. In other places, when we come across people, we want to show that we have we're interested in them as a person. And we're going to see how Jesus demonstrates this for us in the story of the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, if you'll turn over there with me. In this story, uh, there's a Samaritan woman at this well. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling. He deliberately goes through Samaria on purpose. As a Jew, he was not supposed to go there. That was absolutely what he wasn't supposed to do, is to go through there. 
And she knows that as they start talking. But Jesus deliberately went through there and weary and tired and thirsty and drained and worn out from their travel, they stop at Jacob's well. Jacob from the Old Testament, he built that well. They stopped there at that well for a drink. Can you imagine just Jesus just needing a break? He was 100% God, but 100% human. And his human side, his human part, just needed some water. But he also, being 100% God, knew what was going on, knew what he was doing and why he was there. So the disciples go into, the, into town to buy food, and this woman comes up to draw water from the well. Jesus is sitting there on the side of the well. And what does he say? Look at verses 9 and 10. He asks her for a drink, and she says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So notice, she, initially, she initially calls him a Jew. She acknowledges him on that level. That's all she knows about him. She can tell ethnically he's a Jew. And she can tell, you ain't supposed to be here, and you ain't supposed to be talking to me. And she said, how are you asking me for a drink? And look at what he said. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. As thirsty as he is, look at how he steers the conversation to talk to her about spiritual things. And so uh, he, he gets right there. Now, this is very similar to the story of Nicodemus, which, by the way, just happened in chapter 3. He just talked to Nicodemus. And if we look at them side by side, Nicodemus and the woman at the well have a lot in common. Jesus was talking to them both, two very different people about eternal life. Why? Because Jesus was interested in people. He cared about lost souls. He cared about people knowing him. Uh, he encountered these two people at the opposite ends of the spectrum and shows the same amount of interest in them. Think about the contrast between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman at the well. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He was a man. She was a woman. That was very, very different in their culture. He was educated, Nicodemus. She was uneducated. He was morally upright, and she was anything but. She was a sinner and an outcast. He was wealthy, and she was poor. He sought out Jesus. Nicodemus came to Jesus. She kind of stumbled upon him, and Jesus uh, you know, started the conversation with her. He sought out Jesus. She was really indifferent at first, wasn't she? He was serious, and at first she wasn't that interested. She wasn't getting it. She wasn't following him, and she tried to change the subject multiple times. But it shows us a powerful message that Jesus is interested in all people. Both Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman needed a Savior. They needed to know Jesus was their Savior. So we see Jesus steered the conversation to spiritual things. That's good, that's good insight for us, isn't it? Because you and I will both have, we'll all have conversations this week. And sometimes they're really quick and they're like 
Can you get me these copies right now? Or someone's telling you, can you make those copies for me right now? Or someone's telling you how bad it hurts and how sick they are. Or someone's telling you, do I have to put my name on that assignment for the 10 billionth time? Or they need that report or you've got to go to that meeting. All these conversations happen, but there are times in our conversations when we have the opportunity to show interest in others and to steer the conversation to spiritual things. Now, you may not have 30 minutes or three days solid. You may have one minute. But when you have the opportunity, sometimes it's quick, and we talked about just planting seeds. Sometimes that's all you have time to do, and sometimes that can lead to more conversation later. But when we have conversations, look for the opportunities to show interest in others and to steer the conversations to spiritual things. And to let people know you yourself are interested in their spiritual life. Now watch how the Samaritan woman's view of who Jesus was begins to change as they talk. Okay, So you've got to hang with people. You've got to stay there with people. People may not want to hear it first. There may not be a lot of interest at first. But as you show interest in them, they may increase their interest in who you have to talk about. Now, it's interesting, Jesus intentionally uses this expression, living water. He didn't just flippantly say living water. They're talking about water, and like a parable kind of, he, t- he starts talking about living water. Now, that has a lot of significance that perhaps the Samaritan woman even understood. In Jeremiah 2.13, God says, For my people have, taken, uh, have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Do you hear what God is saying? He's saying, I provided fountains of living waters, and they want their broken cisterns of stagnant earthly physical water. Like that. That's where their mind is. And there's people that you're going to have conversations with. That's, their mind is there. They know nothing about any kind of living water. And God lamented that his people had forsaken this fresh, unlimited supply of running, living water, of blessings. And instead they had chosen what they wanted, what their, their desires wanted, and their, their old cracked cisterns that they were used to because it was comfortable. And that left them with no life-sustaining living water from God. We do that too, don't we? We say, no, I'm good with what I, I like what I have. I'm comfortable here with what I'm used to. I got this with my source of water, with my source of sustenance. And God is like, I'm trying to pour it out unlimited for you. This living water, and yet you turn to the water down in the well. And as we're going to see, you're just going to be thirsty again. But we continue to turn to the things that don't satisfy, those physical things, the sin that never satisfies, never quenches the thirst of the flesh, the sinful flesh, instead of the living water. That he, would give, that he wants to give us. Isaiah envisioned a day when God's people would, with joy, draw water from the wells of salvation. So in verse, verses 11 through 12, John writes, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Now she calls him sir. And the well is deep. This well was over 100 feet deep. Jesus had nothing. 
Where do you get that living water? She doesn't understand what he's saying. Are you greater than our father Jacob? See, she's kind of changing the subject here. And she's trying to say, look, I'm educated too. I know some things too. Let me show you what I know. Because they knew uh, some of the Old Testament. They believed some of the Old Testament. And she's saying, uh, saying, are you better, are you greater than Jacob? In other words, we don't know for sure she's where she's if she's asking basically if she's saying you're not, you know, she if she's saying it in that way, or if she's actually asking, are you? Like, let me know if you are. It's it's unclear, but either way, she still doesn't see who Jesus is. And Jesus, worn out and thirsty makes a simple request for a drink of water, but in doing so, he shows us that that race, gender, ethnicity, money, education, where you came from, where you're going, none of that matters because he's interested in lost souls, people's uh, people's eternal lives. And she makes two observations. She says, he has nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. So she's wondering, how can you you access uh, this living water you're talking about? If he could access it, then he must be greater than Jacob. But look at verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But everyone, uh, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he draws this contrast between the physical and spiritual water. And he's saying that your old cisterns, that water in the bottom of your well, that stuff you go to to satisfy yourself, you're never going to be quenched. And until you start drinking from the living water is the only time you will find uh, that your thirst is quenched. That you find that when you find that eternal water, that living water, and that living water gives birth to this, this new life. That's what that is, this new birth, new creation in Christ. And that gives birth to eternal life with God in heaven one day. That's where that ends up and that's what he's telling her. But, and that's what he just got finished telling Nicodemus. Remember, he talked about unless, a, unless a, a person is born again, and Nicodemus is, what are you talking about? How can I be born again? That's exactly what he just got talking about, done talking about with Nicodemus. That water that Jesus gives us becomes, wells up to eternal life. So life in Jesus, see, your life shouldn't be stagnant if you're living off the living waters in Christ. But sometimes Christians, Matt was talking about this, sometimes Christians, we've drank from the living water and we live like we're drinking from well water. Those two things taste very differently. So as Christians, we can't be living our lives like all we have is that water over in the well and that, from the broken, dusty, dirty, dead bugs in there, a mouse jumped in there, who knows, those kids threw some trash down that well, and we're living off that water instead of the living water that Jesus gives us. See, when we live like that, that draws people to Christ because they say, I want that water. That, what, what, kind, what are you drinking? See, we need some people to ask us, what are you drinking? But we need to make sure we're drinking the right kind of stuff, right? Now, I'm not talking about that stuff. Don't be drinking that. We need to drink the right kind of stuff, don't we? And people will ask us, what are you drinking? 
in, in verse, uh, verses 16 through 25, uh, now Jesus starts talking about her personal life. And in verse 19, she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. See, she's, her, her, her view of him, the way she's thinking about him, she's like, oh, I think this guy's somebody. Now she says, I think this guy's a prophet. He's not just a Jew, not just greater than Joseph, but he may be a prophet. And then what does she do? Jesus starts talking about her personal life. But she doesn't like that. She changed the subject real quick. She's, he starts getting personal about uh, her marriages and who she's with now and all of that. But he's doing that because he's trying to reach her. He's not condemning her and saying, I want nothing to do with her. He's saying, I'm trying to reach her. And in verse 25, the woman replies, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She's kind of wondering, is this the Messiah? And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, that's a powerful statement. It echoes back in the Greek, he isn't there. In, in, in the Greek, what Jesus said, I am. He, he just said, I am. That, that goes back to the burning uh, bush when Mo God talked to Moses in the burning bush. He's saying the exact same thing that God said to Moses back then. He's saying, I am. The Messiah, you said the Messiah's coming. I, I am. He's saying, I, I was, I am uh, the God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, and I am here now today talking to you in the flesh. I am God, he's saying. I always have been. And, and, and now the woman at the well realizes uh, whom uh, this Messiah person is, that that is likely him. And he says, uh, when, when Moses asked God, well, who do I say sent me? And God told him, you tell them, I am sent you. See, he's claiming that divinity and revealing himself to her. And we've got to be interested in people enough so that they can also be, have Jesus revealed to them. So the woman at the well, uh, we see in verses 28 and 29, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She's thinking this is him. And so we see how Jesus rose in her estimation. And we want to have an atmosphere in this church where we want people, we want to say to people, come and see. I found him. I want you to meet him. And maybe, that's, maybe it's easy just to invite them to church. Maybe you feel comfortable inviting them over for a study. Maybe you have studies at, when you have opportunities at work or in other settings. And, and you have some conversations about things. But we need to help others meet Jesus. You see, because a church that belongs to Christ introduces people to their Savior. How can you say you belong to Him and you don't want anybody to meet Him? There's a problem with that boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. See, if you don't want your parents to meet that boy, then something's wrong, right? But we want, we've got to want people to meet our Savior. Why? Because we believe in Him. We know what He gives us, that living water of eternal life. Verse 30, look what happens. The people in town go out to see Jesus. Her testimony brought others to see Jesus. Now, the sense of that verb... Uh, uh, that they kept that that they were coming in the Greek indicates they kept coming. 
Not just like 10 people ran out there. They kept coming from the city out to see Jesus at the well. Verses 31 through 38, the disciples were concerned about Jesus not eating. He hadn't even taken a drink of water yet. And, 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 and there's, they don't understand what's going on. And in verse 35, Jesus says, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Again, he tells them, guys, do you not see what's happening here? Do you not see what, it, what I'm doing they're worried, again, about food and him eating. And why are we even in Samaria? And he's like, guys, have I taught you nothing? Do you see that the fields are white for harvest? 39 and 32 of John 4. Look at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now, in John's gospel, believe he always used the verb form of that word, that Greek word. What is he showing us in his gospel? He used it 99 times, and he's always showing us that belief is an active thing. It's not a noun. He says, no, this is about living out this belief. And so uh, many people believed in him, a verb that was an active Action, and that's how we're supposed to live our lives. But notice, it was because of her testimony, right? So uh, then we see and look at verse number 41. The Samaritan woman invited the people from the city to come and to see Jesus, and they did. And they, uh, they continued to go to the city. And then they asked him to come stay with him for two days. And then what do we see in verse 41? Many more believed. So he goes into town and stays with them for two days. And many more people believed. And what did they believe? Verse 41 tells us. They believed his word. Do you see that? So what did we see in verse 39? They believed because of her words. Now they've met him when he came to stay, and they're hearing from him, and they believed his words. And so they're hearing from Jesus. Now, in verse 32, look at what the people say to the Samaritan woman. Verse 42. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. She made a connection, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Do you see that? You see that? She made a connection. She brought them together. At first they said, okay, let's go check this out. She was right, we believe. Now they're hearing from her, and they're saying, no matter what she says, we believe. That's the point we want to get people to, where they believe the words of God when we introduce them to Jesus. That's what we want. We want to help people meet Jesus. Our job is to set up the introduction. Our job is to make the introduction happen, to make the connection happen. So do you know what, what three qualities make up the culture of a group? It's the same anywhere, group, uh, uh, school, your, your school, your workplace, your any, anywhere. Uh, the three ingredients that make up a culture, one way you could put it is the way we think, the way we act, and the way we interact. The way we think, the way we act, and the way we interact. Those make up a culture of any group. And, and, so, and so the way we think, and we need to think, biblically and be followers of Christ and be our minds set on Christ and then the way we act and then the way we interact. 
and showing that interest in one another and in others. We need to be interested in lost souls because Christ was interested enough in us to come down and be on the cross for God so loved the world. Come down and hang on the cross and be resurrected. Why? Because he was interested in us. He loved us. And we've got to follow his example in reaching all people. Can we help you this morning? Maybe you're ready to become a Christian this morning, to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you want to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe you need prayers or encouragement for any other reasons. We want you to know we're here for you. Is there any way we can serve you? And we invite you to come forward now as we stand and sing.